Uh, good morning, church. Good to see everybody this morning. Praise the Lord. It's a, uh, a great privilege to be able to gather in this place to worship and honor our God together. Um, I trust that this is the beginning of a new week of worship for you. Worshiping God in many different ways. We worship God through song, through music. We'll do that in just a moment together. We worship God when we open his word daily and hear from him, and we give God worth and worship him uh, when we pray, when we fellowship, when we give. And our lives are to be an offering of sacrifice to him. Paul tells us that in Romans 12. And so this morning, we have the great privilege of doing that together. Uh, I know it's a, a rainy day, a cold and rainy day, and so maybe it was tough to get up this morning, but part of our prayers as leadership team uh, in the mornings before service is that God would remove all obstacles and that uh, we would seek him out uh, together in this place. So thank you for joining us. We pray for all those who are still on their way and, and uh, on their way here to worship God with us, that they would arrive safely. And I would like to read to you now from the Word of God, um, because it is good to be in this place together, and we get to hear from God through His Word. We are present together with each other, and we get to be in the presence of our God and King. Just consider that and think about that for a moment. That we get to be in the presence of a holy God. And that is only because of what Jesus has done for us. Amen? It's a privilege to worship the Lord because he alone is worthy. Our God is Elohim, the strong one. He is Adonai, the Lord. He is El Shaddai, the mighty God. He is El Olam, the everlasting God. And he, of course, is Yahweh, the great I am, the one who simply is. Our God is eternal. He has no beginning, and his existence will never end. Our God is immortal and infinite. Our God is incomparable and unequaled and perfect. Our God is all-powerful, and he is ever-present and all-knowing. Our God is righteous and sovereign. Our God is perfect and holy. Our God is one. Our reading from the word of the Lord is taken from Isaiah 44. It says this in verses 6, 7, and 8. Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last, and there is no God besides me. For who is like me? Let him proclaim and declare it. Yes, let him recount it to me in order. From the time that I established the ancient nation, and let them declare to them the things that are coming and the events that are going to take place. But do not tremble and do not be afraid. 
Have I not long since announced it to you and declared it? And you are my witnesses. Is there any God besides me? Or is there any other rock? I know of none. Amen? Would you stand with me, please? Let us pray to this great God who is, to this great God, for there are none beside him. Great and mighty God, our creator and heavenly father, there is truly none like you. We offer our praises to you now. We offer up ourselves to you in worship. We bless you and we thank you that in Jesus Christ and all because of him, we can come before our holy God and worship you now. In that name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Church, let's worship him together through song now.
Father God, to you belongs all the glory. We give you praise and honor and glory in this place. And for you are the high and holy ones, so we lift our praises high. In the name of Jesus, we praise you. Amen. Would you take a moment to say good morning to somebody next to you in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh 
Praise the Lord. All right. If we can uh, make our way back to our seats, praise God. Praise the Lord for some awesome worship this morning. And uh, our, um, our young ones, our, our kids, part of the Trinity Kids ministry have made their way uh, down the hall. So we thank God for them, for our next generation and for that great ministry we have here, we call it Trinity Kids, and we, we always thank God for the teachers and the volunteers, those who uh, commit their time to work with our next generation, and so we're very thankful to the Lord for all of them, and uh, skip ahead here, so we have next Sunday, which is the 17th of December, our kids' uh, Christmas program, so every year, our kids, as part of the Trinity uh, Kids Ministry Program, they put together a wonderful um, Christmas presentation, and so they're going to do that during the service next Sunday. So next Sunday, the 17th, make sure you're here for that. They're actually going to be rehearsing uh, today down the hall and then after service. And they're also today making ornaments for our beautiful Christmas tree out in the lobby, so um, after service, when you see some of the young kids, just uh, encourage them uh, about their uh, presentation, their program next Sunday, and thank them for the ornaments that they are making. And so we praise God for that. Um, the Christmas Eve service this year will be at 10.30 a.m., our normal Sunday morning service, because as you probably noticed on your calendars, that this year, Christmas Eve, the 24th, falls on a Sunday. So we'll have one service that day. It'll be our normal gathering time of 10.30 a.m. We will have uh, extra music and a special message that day, and so make sure you come and join us and spread the word for that. This week, I'll be sending out via text and uh, email an invitation, a digital invitation that you can use uh, to invite your friends and family to Sunday morning 
the December 24th, our Christmas Eve service. And so it'll be a great way to be able to uh, just connect with friends and family and neighbors, people that you've been telling about, uh, telling them the Lord Jesus. And so um, it'll be just a, a digital invitation and you can text it to them or email it to your friends. It'll direct them to our website with all the information and uh, be a great reminder to them. So of course, Christmas Eve, that service is a great opportunity to invite some of those friends and family that you have been telling about Jesus and sharing your story with. Of course, that's the series that we're in for December about what it looks like to share your story as we share the story of Christmas, right? It is beholding um, the God of the Bible to behold him for he brings good news of great joy, amen? And just one more reminder before we get into our message this morning, we have blessing bags that are always available for you. Our missions team puts them together faithfully, so we thank all the people that are part of our missions team. They are out in the lobby at our missions table. And these blessing bags are uh, full, uh, as you can see them, they are full of um, hygiene, um, it's a hygiene kit, and so there's materials and resources in there like soap and shampoo and toothpaste and band-aids, things like that. Of course, we put a Gospel of John in there as well. But what we say is this, take a blessing bag or two with you after service, keep it in your car, and then pray for an opportunity this week to, uh, to share the good news by sharing uh, a blessing bag. Because oftentimes we might come across somebody on the way to work or to school or to the store that is in need, whether it's somebody who is clearly uh, you know, unhoused or homeless or somebody that looks like they may be in need, and you can strike up a conversation by simply offering a blessing bag, which meets an immediate need for many people in our area, more than you might think. And it's not only meeting that immediate need of what's in the bag, but it, it opens the door to a conversation about why you're offering a blessing. And of course, to talk about Jesus, the one who is our true blessing. Amen? And so if you haven't done that before, this is a great time during the Christmas season to do that. So take a blessing bag or two, keep it in your car, and pray. Pray for those divine appointments uh, in, uh, in the near future to be able to bless someone with that during this great time of blessing. All right, so make sure you take advantage of that. Our sermon series for this month is Behold, I Bring You Good News of Great Joy. You know, we have been going through the Gospel of Matthew. We're taking a, a brief break on that for December. We'll get back to that in the new year. But for the month of December, we are looking at this great phrase from the Christmas story from Scripture, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy. And we're seeing how God has proclaimed the good news of salvation in Jesus through the prophets of old, through angels, through the shepherds, and through the magi. Today, we will look at um, the angels and God proclaiming good news through the angels and what that means for us as we also learn to share our story. As a reminder, this sermon series, we are going through the Christmas story, but also talking about um, aspects of our newest Discipleship Pathway resource, Tell Your Story, Tell the Story, which we will begin using in the new year together. 
This is a great resource, and I'll read from some of it a bit later, about how to evangelize, how to share your testimony of faith, how to practically uh, put together your story, how to craft it, and how to be able to share it with others, how to overcome some of those fears that we have, how to pray for courage to do that, and simply um, how to understand better the power of our story, because each one of you has a unique place in God's plan. Each one of us has a unique story to tell, but of course that story is always about the one most unique person throughout history, and that is Jesus Christ. And so we will look today at the story of how the angels proclaimed this good news of great joy. And then, of course, we always end with words of application. What does this mean for us as we share our story of the good news, the great joy that we have in our life? So everybody in the hospital was awaiting the visit from the Pope on this particular day. It was Christmas season. And the staff of the hospital had been preparing for weeks for the Pope's arrival. And there was great anticipation for his arrival. And in the crowded and busy ER, there was a weary doctor at the end of his shift. And he had a handful of paperwork with him, and it was a bit overflowing, and so he needed to finish it before he could go home. So he took a seat in a wheelchair in the hallway that was so overcrowded, and he busied himself with his notes. But at that moment, he sat down in the wheelchair. The Pope and his entourage arrived to the hospital and walked into the ER. The Pope approached the doctor, stood in front of him, and blessed him. The doctor immediately stood up and walked forward to greet the Pope. And all the Pope's escorts crossed themselves, looked up, and shouted, It's a miracle! Do you believe in miracles? I do. I believe in a God who is a miracle worker. Throughout the pages of the Holy Scriptures, we see God performing miracle after miracle. Our God, who lives and exists today, the one who we proclaimed earlier is the self-existent one, Yahweh, who has no beginning and no end, who is the Alpha and the Omega, still works miracles today. God heals us physically emotionally, mentally, and of course, spiritually through Jesus Christ. God works miracles in our lives. Now, we also believe in God's providence. God is working out his will throughout human history, and he's working out his will in our lives. But oftentimes, God, in his providence and in his sovereignty, will enter into and break through what we might call the natural laws and work a miracle, something that seems to defy nature. But why is that so? Well, it's because God is the creator of all things, is he not? God is outside of time and space. He is not bound by his own creation. So when God intervenes, 
and does something that seems like it is beyond what we would normally expect, even from God's creation, we call it a miracle. I think all of us can attest to a story, whether it's personal or whether it happened to somebody that we know, of somebody who's been diagnosed with a terminal illness, something that is incurable, yet they visit the doctor at one point in their, their treatment, and the doctor says, you have been healed, and I have no idea why. We didn't even start treatment yet, and yet your illness is completely gone. You've heard stories of, of like this. Perhaps it has happened to you. We take that as an example of a miracle because when our, uh, all that we know about science and the medical field, things that we appreciate and we thank God for, our doctors and medicine and all of that, we know that God is the ultimate healer. Amen? And so we believe in instances like that. We believe that God still works miracles. Well, let me tell you another story, a true story, a true miracle of God. In approximately 165 BC, the Syrian king named Antiochus invaded the Jewish nation, and he demanded that they abandon their God, the God of Israel, and God's ways. This time was a very dark period in the history of Israel, the time between the Old and the New Testaments. We call it often the 400 silent years between the ending of the Old Testament and the opening of the New Testament with the birth of Jesus. But at that time, God used a small group of very courageous men and women led by a family known as the Maccabees to wage a successful rebellion against the Syrians and their king, Antiochus, and eventually drove them out of Israel. We call this Hanukkah. And for all of our Jewish friends, this is the time of Hanukkah. It is the eight days that they celebrate this great victory. And it is during that time right now, because uh, on our calendars, this is the Feast of Hanukkah. We doing okay? Not sure what that is. I think it's just God trying to get our attention, making sure. You see, all of you realize you're all looking up here, but I can see each and every one of you. So when one of you starts falling asleep, I take a little note, third row. No, I'm just joking. And sometimes God intervenes through technology and says, let's make sure we're awake. This is the Feast of Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication, for the word Hanukkah means dedication. Or maybe you've heard it called the Festival of Lights. It commemorates the victory God gave the Jewish people over that Syrian king and his mighty army. So the holiday is called Hanukkah because it's considered the pinnacle of that victory when they were able to rededicate the temple in Jerusalem. Many of you perhaps have heard this story. Many stories surround this historic event, but the most famous is what we call the miracle of the oil. It is said that when the Maccabees recaptured Jerusalem, they immediately set out to rededicate 
their beloved temple. But the problem was this. They needed consecrated oil, special oil, to rekindle the sacred candelabra that was there in the temple, but they only found enough oil for one day. And it would take a full eight days to gather enough oil to use in the temple. So the idea of lighting the candles temporarily just to see him go out again was quite discouraging, especially after their tremendous victory and God's blessing on them. Yet after that victory against their enemies, they were so determined to rededicate their temple, they decided to light the candles anyway. The great miracle was that the oil, enough for only one day, continued to burn for eight whole days, enough time to make and sanctify new oil. It's a story not found in the Torah, but in the writings of the Talmud, the sacred writings, the writings of the ancient teachers of Israel. However, perhaps you don't realize this, but we do see one reference to it in Scripture. It's actually in the New Testament. In John chapter 10, listen to these words. Then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter. And Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him saying, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, then tell us plainly. And Jesus answered, I did tell you, but you do not believe. For the works I do in my Father's name testify about me. This is the instance. Hanukkah is mentioned, the festival of dedication in our scriptures. The real miracle, Hanukkah, is the miracle of God's preserving power. Israel's victory over King Antiochus of the Syrians and his army showed that the God of Israel, the miracle-working God, preserved his people once again. And of course, We know he preserved his people because of his great promises to them throughout the ages and ultimately his promise to bring the Messiah we know as Jesus through the line of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know what, church? Less than 200 years after this event, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, was born. This is a true miracle that we see throughout scriptures and in this case, from history that God preserved his people Israel so he could bring about the Messiah. I believe this same God, who still works miracles, is still preserving his people in his land and throughout the world. Because yes, he already did bring Messiah Jesus, but Jesus said he would come back again, did he not? And so therefore it also tells us, Paul in Romans and elsewhere, that Jesus will come back when the people of Israel, the remnant at that time, God's appointed time, when they cry out to him, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And so God is still preserving his people. And yet we also know personally, God is preserving us. And God will sometimes use miracles to do that. But ultimately, let's walk away from this morning, remember this. 
You are a miracle of God. You know that? You are a miracle. When you wake up in the morning, you look in the mirror, and your hair is all like this, right? And you haven't brushed your teeth yet, and you say, you are a miracle. And you should believe it, because it's true. Our series is called, Behold, I Bring You Good News of Great Joy. There is no greater good news that brings us more joy than knowing that we are saved in Christ Jesus and that our salvation is secure. God brought this good news of great joy through the prophets, the angels, the shepherds, the magi, as we look at the Christmas story. This morning, we look specifically at how our great God did this through the angels. And then we'll end with some words from our book of Tell Your Story, Tell the Story, and how we can apply this to our lives. So, of course, we know that angels are what we would call supernatural beings. Angels were created by God. They are, they are creations of our God. There are the same number of angels today that there were when God created them. And God oftentimes uses angels to work in our lives. God will send angels. You know, we have a, a, an understanding, a tradition, maybe we grew up believing that we have a guardian angel, right? One of my favorite movies of all time, in fact, my favorite, and my favorite Christmas movie as well, is It's a Wonderful Life. You like that movie, right? You can all say amen to that because it's the best movie ever. You can say yes or love that, right? Yes. Just checking. And, um, and one, of the, one of the things I love about that, of course, we know that uh, there is uh, a, a guardian angel that is sent to George Bailey to help him realize that his life matters. You see, I, I think what I love about that so much is that it's a true sto- It's a real story. It, it, it's true to us because here is just sort of a common man who all he ever wanted to do was get out of this boring little town where he was born and raised so he could change the world. But yet, God in the story uses a guardian angel to tell him he is already changing the world around him in greater ways than he could ever expect as he wanted to go and build bridges and skyscrapers and see the world. God shows him through that angel, Clarence, that he is a miracle of God, that he is changing the world. Church, this morning, let us be reminded, God uses angels. We'll see from scriptures in a moment. God can still use angels, and God still works miracles in our lives, for our very life is a miracle. Christmas is that time of year when we are especially reminded that God broke into history in a moment of time. God is outside of time, yet he chose in his sovereignty to break into human history. We call it the birth of Jesus, the incarnation, God taking on human flesh in Jesus Christ. It is a moment when heaven meets earth. Let me read to you, just briefly, three of the accounts from the Christmas story when God uses angels to announce this good news of great joy. So we are reminded that God uses 
angels to announce good news to Mary, right? In Luke chapter 1, verses uh, 26 to 33, you can turn there if you'd like. If not, you can just listen. This is from Luke chapter 1. It's okay. It's probably just me. Should be the connection. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph and of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. This is good news of great joy, isn't it? This is God using an angel to bring this news to Mary, who, of course, would become the mother of Jesus. Mary rejoices. She at first, of course, is afraid. And the angel says, do not be afraid, for you have found favor with God. After this event, Mary, she writes a song. She sings a song. We often call it the Magnificat, the magnificence of God. After hearing from Elizabeth about what God is doing in her life and what God is doing in Mary's life, she sings this song. These words of this song, Mary's Magnificat, are of God's promises from the Old Testament to care for and to preserve his people. It's what we commemorate and remember and celebrate at Christmas. It's what our Jewish friends are celebrating during their Feast of Dedication. Hanukkah. God fulfills his promises. Sometimes he works miracles and sometimes he uses angels. God supernaturally works in our lives. Let us remember that. Oftentimes in our lives, and we don't realize it, but in the way that we might act or think or talk to others or the way we might believe about ourselves, we are reducing God to a human companion. We try to bring on our own God down to earth, so to speak, when God has already done that in Jesus Christ. God is a holy God. God is a perfect God. God is without beginning and is without end. He is the God whom we serve and celebrate and worship this morning. Our lives should be a song, like Mary's song. In a way, we are to sing our song to others. Now, maybe you could try that when you go to share your story with others. Maybe you're nervous about what words do I say. Just break out in song. I mean, they do that in all the musicals we watch, right? I have a relative who just doesn't get musicals. You know, she's just not a fan, and she'll always just say, why do they start singing all of a sudden? You know, Just say the words you want to say. 
But, you know, we take that as an example, right? Mary was so overcome with joy, sings this song. Is that how we are before our holy God, our creator, the savior of our souls? We praise God for being above and beyond nature. He is more than we can ever imagine. Let us not try to put him in a box or put him in our box. For God is a God of miracles. God is our creator. Last week, we looked at how God used the prophets of the Old Testament to bring about that good news of great joy, talking about the coming Messiah, all of the prophecies. And we sang this song, Blessed Assurance, at the end of service. And what do we sing in that great hymn of the faith? This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. We have a story to tell. We have a story to sing. God also uses the angels, these supernatural beings, to announce the good news to the shepherds. We're very familiar with this part of the Christmas story. I'll read it to you briefly. It says, in the same region, this is found in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the Glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. The King James Version says they were sore afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not. Just that. He told Mary not to be afraid. He tells the shepherds not to be afraid. The angel says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy. That will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those. I'm, I'll just turn that. Bear a son and call him. 
the miracles. 